welcome to Real Talk with Bella. How are you today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Vanessa. So as you can see, I am giddy as a little girl opening a present for Christmas because you are the boundary boss. And let me tell you, you are literally like my spirit animal right now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, I actually learned about you on Instagram through social media. You actually commented on um, Brooke Shields' uh, post, and that's how I ended up finding you. And I'm like, where have you been on my life, Terry? You are the no <laughs> You're the no queen. <laughs> I am. And I am known in the office for always saying that no is a complete sentence. And mm -hmm. I feel that as we continue to age and mature for women, um, we get a little bit more comfortable. And if we haven't been comfortable, we, uh, we try to be comfortable with saying no. Um, but before we get into that conversation, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about you, how you got started. Um, you know, as a psychotherapist and how you found this very particular and special need of becoming the boundary boss. <laughs> okay. So I became a psychotherapist actually as a second career. Okay. I was a um, talent agent negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities for almost a decade before I got into this, but I was always super into therapy. So I started therapy when I was 19 and I stopped drinking when I was 21 and I was really on this self-help journey in life. And the healthier I got, the unhealthier entertainment seemed. <laughs> I was like, wow, I definitely need to get out of this business. And when it, when it comes to the boundaries, right, of it all, I didn't know in my 20s that it was my lack of boundaries that was creating a lot of conflict in my relationships. And why was I so resentful? And why did I feel like people were taking advantage of me? And why did I always feel compelled or obligated to say yes to things? But none of that was, um, I was unclear, right? Which is why I got into therapy so young in my life to try to have a deeper understanding of, I have from the outside, it looks like I have all of these things, but yeah. why don't I feel the way that I wanna feel? And so what I learned throughout my, my personal journey is I was a boundary disaster. And, you know, what do they say? You teach what you most need to learn. And so as my own therapy progressed, I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize this is what it was. Then I got to a point where I had to leave entertainment because I really just got too healthy for that toxic, not hot bed of mental health. <laughs> and in the end of my career as a therapist, I couldn't deny that what I was interested in was helping my clients with their mental well-being, right? Yeah. I was getting people into therapy and eating disorder clinics and drug treatment clinics. And I was much less enthralled with the, you know, the film contract or the Pantene contract, much more interested in the quality of life of my clients. And I was like, there's never going to be a good time. Cause I was really kind of, I was running a bicoastal talent agency. I mean, there's no good time to like leave a career that everyone is like, oh, that's such an amazing career. <laughs> Why would you leave? You yeah. know? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not happy. <laughs> that, yeah. That's why I would leave. But when I got into my own private practice, what I started seeing over and over again was that it didn't really matter what the presenting problem was that people came in with. I could just connect the dots backwards to the lack of this incredibly important skill set of understanding what personal and professional boundaries are, how to communicate them how to even know what yours, your own are, and that my clients just didn't know. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it wasn't just me. 
Nobody knows. So it was an epidemic of lack of information. And that was the beginning. And I just started taking copious notes with my clients and being like, wow, I'm seeing this same problem over and over again. People saying yes, when they want to say no. What is this about? And that was the beginning. And really, I was a therapist for, I mean, decades before I wrote this book. Yeah. I I have to tell you that, you know, obviously, I think that that is a form of boundary setting, even for yourself to uh, get to that epiphany of saying, you know what, this is no longer serving me. This is what I need to be uh, doing to genuinely feel happy and to live a fulfilled life. And uh, so kudos to you, because I feel like uh, again, we're still finding people that are kind of in that race of still struggling to find what their calling is or what they really like to do. Um, I have this conversation all the time, you know, with colleagues and friends where uh, they'll see my life from the outside in and assume, uh, obviously, that everything is, fa- and it is, right? Like, I am literally my walking and breathing my wildest dreams of a life you know I always wanted to write for a publication I didn't know that I would own one but here we are and this is kind of how Mm -hmm. life led me to the space but um at the same time I get pegged as obnoxious many many times and as cocky (laughs) because and quite frankly um a bitch uh because I am very clear guys are you can you hear me Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. There, I had a, a minor, like, please do not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I am very clear when it comes to setting um, boundaries and I am on very unapologetic about it. And um, it turns out that, you know, I've lost friendships and relationships because I've been kind of like non-bargaining with the fact that, you know, this is my space and I'd like to be respected and these are my timeframes and this is it. Uh, But then I found other people, other opportunities that fulfilled them because that's kind of how it works, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. It's like you, if you no longer collude with um, trying to trample on your boundaries or, or are pissed off about your boundaries, you will actually find others who have good boundaries or who are happy to respect your boundaries, but they can only do that if you communicate them as you're saying. Correct. So how, um, just because I'm all, you know, your, your team sent me a whole bunch of topics and I'm like, can I just talk about all of these things with Terry? Because I feel like we need all of these things, but there were two that stood out for me the most. Um, and I'll say how to talk true is one of them. I think that we mm-hmm. are um, very uh, scared and fearful of genuinely speaking up about the things that are truly on our heart and on our minds. Um, and you know, you share tips obviously of how to share your truth. Um, and then the other one was um, three steps to say no with ease. Because again, that's the challenge and the struggle that we are finding um, within not just professional settings, but I also feel like in our personal lives, you know, we have a really hard time. Like, do I really want to go hang out with this person when I'm so tired and I have 30,000 other things to do on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to do is go sit and have coffee with you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So how do we- Well, let's start with- Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's, why don't we start with just establishing, according to me, what boundaries are. Yes. Because I think there is so much confusion yes. just about that. Yeah. So I want you to think about boundaries as your own personal rules of engagement. So it allows others to know what's okay with you and what is not okay with you. And what is comprised, right? Your boundaries are comprised of your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, like your non-negotiables. So in order to establish healthy boundaries, assert healthy boundaries, you must not only know your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, you must also have the ability to communicate them clearly and concisely, transparently, when you so choose. So it's one thing to think it, and it's another thing to actually say it, to, to communicate it. So that is the way that I set up personal and professional boundaries, that's what they are. Because when you think about it, your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, they're not just your boundaries. They're also the things that make you uniquely you, right? Because there's nothing wrong with your preferences. That, that's your right to have preferences. I think a lot of us, and this leads to the disease to please, having, you know, having difficulty saying no, the people-pleasing syndrome, all of this stuff, because we learned to put others' desires or preferences above our own. And most of us were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependents. And that's just how it was when we were raised. And I think, you know, people are still being raised this way. Oh, Maybe it's a little bit better today. Yeah, no, 100%. Right. And I actually can relate to that now that I've become a mother um, after becoming a mother is when I now look back and understand, you know, how my mom actually was who taught me how to set boundaries because there were moments where she was like, um, yeah, I'm done with this situation and this is not happening. And she would take time for herself. And I remember at some point feeling or thinking, well, that's kind of selfish of her. <laughs> and, you know, kind of, like, I'm like, okay, yeah, gee, thanks mom. But now as a mother, I understand that has she not taken those moments for herself or just, you know, hard stop, this is where uh, as much as I'm doing or as far as far as I'm going, it would have been mm -hmm. a detriment to her own mental health. And I think that we don't give ourselves um, enough space to genuinely do that to be healthy so that we're able to handle, you know, the two, three, what, however many children you have. Um, and that's fair uh, to say. So I, I appreciate you stating that because that is 100% the truth. So if we move into the, because these things are connected. Yeah. You were saying, let's talk about how to talk true. Yeah. And how to sort of say no with ease. Yeah. How, how are these things connected and how, how does it, how do we actually do it? I think that let's start with the saying no. And then I'll get into the talking okay, truth. For someone who has been a people pleaser, let's just say, saying no can be really threatening. So I never start with simply saying no, right? Because this speaks to all of the myths that people have around boundaries. If you have good boundaries, you have to be a bitch, you have to be mean, you have to be rejecting people left and right. You're all no, 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 right? This is the fear that people have of what it means. That is not what it means, <laughs> but that's the fear. Yeah. So before we can say no, to anything, we have to be really clear, right? First of all, dial into your own relationship to saying no. Were you taught that it's rude to say no? Well, you know, what was your homeschooling? You're talking about 
watching your mom create boundaries, which later in your life benefited you uh -huh. to be like, ah, yeah. I see why, like, I get why she did that. I understand that. But so much of the time, if you had a parent that was a people pleaser, let's say a maternal impactor, I call them, because it might be an auntie, it could be a foster mom. Then you learn like, oh, this is, this is the way I'm supposed to be. This is being a good person. So I think that you have to get clear about your relationship to people pleasing, right? Just, just get clear like, oh yeah, I did learn that I should, I should really help others and that I should put what they want above what I want. That is being a good person. And then really we're challenging that a little bit. Dialing into how you feel about something. So what would the first thing we do when we wanna say no is we stop the auto yes. So you're just gonna do, everybody listening, watching this, you're gonna be doing an experiment for the next seven days. Yeah. And no matter what anyone asks you, you are not going to give an immediate yes. I mean, unless they wanna give you $5 million, then you can say yes. But generally speaking, <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's not hard to say yes to, right? So we're not gonna say immediate yes. We're going to start training the people in our lives to respect that the fact that we might need time. So there are things that you can say, let me get back to you on that. Um, I need some time to think about that. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'll let you know. Um, I have a 24-hour decision-making policy, so I'll let you know tomorrow. I need to check with my partner, my roommate, my spouse, my dog, whoever, right? So I'll let you know at the end of the week. What we're doing, though is we're putting our stake in the ground, not just with the other person, but in a way with the universe and with ourselves, saying that I have the right to decide. It's not just, I only need to check my schedule. I may not friggin' want to do this thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, that's a perfectly legitimate reason. Now, there are nuances to this. If it's a close relationship, you might provide context right? I don't mean convincing them you have a right to say no. I don't mean writing a freaking dissertation on your no. <laughs> I mean, if it's someone I love and they're asking me to do something and I legitimately can't do it because of work, another obligation, I would provide that context so that the person I care about understands why I'm saying no. Yeah. I'm not sitting home. I'm not watching reruns. If I could be there, I would be there. I love you. I wish you the best. Maybe I send them flowers if it's something that they're doing, whatever. So the first step is looking at where do you need to say no and looking at your relationship to no. Second is buying time and then coming back because here's the thing. It is so much easier to say no when you haven't already given a reactionary or instant yes, because what happens, and I know this, you know this, we know this is what happens in life. We agree to do some shit we don't want to do. And then when the moment comes, that we're supposed to deliver on the thing that we should have freaking said no to. Yeah. We can either suddenly get a fake migraine, right? We're Where literally you like, no. <laughs> I, I know that I have yep. literally been home and I will sit like frozen, like, oh my God, why did I say yes to this? Like, I don't even have the energy to get dressed right now. Like I, cause I mm -hmm. don't want to go. Like I trust. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go, or we go begrudgingly. Yeah. And then, we, and then we 
put it out like, I can't believe Betty how entitled she is to ask me to come to one of these things again. I've already done one of those pampered chef, that whatever, whatever the hell the person is asking yeah, me to do. Yeah, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. My, and, my, my struggle with that though, that if mm -hmm. I did commit to the yes and other things that may have been more like are more important or whatever come up during, um, I do for, you know, the most part, try to obviously keep my word, be responsible, be professional, show up, do the thing. Um, but my God, like, I, I think, you know, you're hitting obviously the nail on the head when we, cause we know this, I think we, we, uh, and to anyone who may be listening, we know that we don't want to do the thing. We know this, we know, I just, to your point, you know, somebody asked me to host like, some sort of like jewelry party or whatever. And I'm like, have you met me? Like, do you know what I do in my head? I'm like, if you really knew me, then you would know that this is just not something that I genuinely, cause I genuinely just don't have the time for it. Like I just don't. Mm -hmm. And my boundaries are very clear when it comes, I work from Monday through Friday uh, within X amount of hours. And from Friday afternoon to Sunday evening, that is my family time. And I do not play around with that. Like I, I am there for my children and my husband and we go do family things. Um, and, and, and even, you know, when in booking this conversation with you, I thought that was, um, so I was like, well, of course she only has the days to make these things happen. And I will make my, because how else would you be physically emotionally, psychologically able to do all of these other things if you didn't set yourself up for success. So I can appreciate that understanding where, um, you know, the root of, you know, the, the, the cause of the, you just said it, you know, you're resenting the person and you're resenting the day, resenting the moment. And that, that creates a whole host of other things that wouldn't have been there had you just said no in the first place. Yes. And I think that the whole thing about buying time, mm -hmm. why it is a strategy that works so well, is that it gives you time to think and tell yourself the truth. Yeah. I really don't want to do this thing. It doesn't mean I'm a no to my friend. I'm just a no to this thing. You know, I always say, you know, when people ask me to do my, my close friends, no, I don't want to go see like an outside concert, like with bugs and sun and people talking like that's how I think. But but, you know, if someone else is like, oh, I got tickets to see James Taylor, even though I like him, I do not want to go to Tanglewood. Like, it's not my thing. And I will say to my friend, hey, I'm definitely a no to Tanglewood, but I'm always a yes to you. Yeah. Why don't we have lunch next weekend? I would love to see you. Yeah. Right. Like, there's a way. I mean, my friend didn't invent Tanglewood. Yeah. It is my right to have a preference yeah. to not want to do those things or enjoy those things. If my friend then said, I'm actually meeting someone there, it's a potential date, I could really use a wing woman, that would be different. That might influence me saying, yeah. oh, can I take one for the team because I love my friend and she's asking me for a favor? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Now, if she provides different context Correct. that changes the situation for me, yeah. I might have a different answer. But I think that the, the real thing when we're talking about having disordered boundaries is this inability to prioritize our own preferences, our desires, what we want, what we don't want. And so much of the time people will come into my therapy practice and they don't know those things about themselves. So the beginning of this process and the way I walk you through it in Boundary Boss, the book, is we have to do a huge inventory. 
we do an, a big okay and not okay list yeah. where we look at all areas of life where we're like, what is really getting on my nerves? Like yeah. what, what is not working for me in my romantic relationship, my friendships, my work life, my whatever, mm -hmm. because so much of the time, if you were raised, but that really can't be like your goal in life. Although for a lot of people, I would have women in particular come into my practice, maybe their sixth or seventh decade of life. And they'll come in and say, hey, um, you know, I'm in a good marriage, kids are on track, going to good schools, money's in the bank, retirement is good, I still, you know, work out three times a week, I have friends, I volunteer, whatever. Why do I feel so empty? Yeah. And I would say, because if you build a life on checking boxes, nobody friggin' knows you. Right. And that is so painful that you, you will get to an existential tipping right. point, so to speak, sure. yeah. where you're like, wow, I am with all of these people who I really do love because I know them yeah. and I realize they don't know me. So this brings us all the way, long way around the barn, mm -hmm. back to talking true and why being authentic in your communication and knowing yourself, because you can't be authentic if you don't know yourself, mm -hmm. is so important. And to realize that so much of the time we're worried about being nice. People mm -hmm. are like, I don't want them to think I'm not nice. Mm -hmm. And then I'll always say, hey, listen, let's really think about it critically. Is saying yes when you want to say no actually being nice mm -hmm. it isn't it's it is honest. being dishonest yeah. and what it's really doing is giving the people in your life corrupted data about who you are yeah and so the loneliness and that existential loneliness that comes from being in a relationship but feeling unseen and unknown that is a box that in a way we, when we have disordered boundaries, when we can't talk true, that we paint ourselves into this corner and then we're so pissed that we're in this corner. But there's a way to not do that by realizing that you are so worth knowing. Yeah. And you might be shocked as to the people in your life, how many good ones you have who will be like, thank you for telling me that. Yeah. I so appreciate it. And then you'll have the ones who have benefited mightily from you having disordered boundaries. Yeah. And they'll be like, I don't even know you and you have changed and now you're selfish. And what is wrong with you? Yeah. And here's the thing yeah. we have to expect if we're going to change the boundary dance, we just must expect that there's going to be some pushback. Cause think about your relationships like dances. Yeah. And if no, you I, do a different dance, yeah. right? Aren't they going to notice that you're doing well, something and, different? And, and that's what ha has happened to me over the years is I'll have, I, I've had friends who have come to me um, and just said, but I've invited you to do X, Y, Z thing. And you've said no to me every single time. However, this person came and da, 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 and you went right away. And my explanation is obviously there's a reason why I said yes to this person and no to you. Um, but it, at the same time, what I've had to get comfortable with is that explanation part, because at the same time, while I can understand that you may feel bad because I didn't go with you, you also need to know that there's a reason why 
I made that decision, right? And if you're judging me based on me saying no to you and not to her, then you don't know me. And, and you don't understand why I would be willing to bargain, like you said, taking one for the team um, in this occasion and not for you. So, um, and again, I think that those are the things that we as you know, aging, maturing human beings all around need to get more and more comfortable with, with ourselves and with others. You know, I, um, I'm actually really lucky to have a, an incredible husband, uh, <laughs> really yeah, lucky that we have, um, a very open conversation and, you know, he, we could, we go into, um, moments where, um, he's really pissed off at me and I'm really pissed off at him. But then when we come back to each other, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, what was it that triggered this outburst that it up. And for him, the issue always comes to boundary setting. And I always tell him, like, I don't know why you would expect anything different from me because you already know that this is what I would do. And if it's you, if it's our son, if it's my mom, you know that this is like a no for me. But he's a, he's very much a people pleaser. He's very much um, uh, just wants us, me, my children to be happy to his own fault and detriment, right? And I'll, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. the one, but like, when are you doing something for yourself? When are you going on a trip with your friends? Like, when are you, you know, and it's all good. But then he waits too long to tell me what bothered him, which is like another thing. But, you know, ultimately- it comes down to boundary setting. And um, mm -hmm. that's something that I would hope, you know, what from people hearing this conversation and also reading your book and learning, you know, more resources and tools that are available to them to just get comfortable with and understand that. Because I think you said it perfectly when we do have the right to say uh, and to take the time, which I, th I don't think we do for ourselves. Yep. We do it for other people. I totally agree. We yep. don't <laughs> yes. And, and I want to go back to something you said, Vanessa, about um, explaining to someone if they're like, why did you do this for them and not for me or whatever? Yeah. Me personally, yeah. I do not feel remotely obligated to, if you, if you are stuck in compare and despair other person, I'm sorry, but that doesn't have squat to do with me. Yeah. And I don't owe you an explanation. I was honest with you. If you want to tell me that it hurt your feelings, you have every right to do so. Go ahead. But for me to try to explain to you why I said yes to the other person and not you, none of your business. And yeah. no, I yeah. will not be doing that. <laughs> um, I will need you to respect my no. Yeah. And again, a, to me, a close friend doesn't do that, right? right. Yeah. Someone who wants something from you, though, Does. will do that. 100%. So I think what is really helpful to know about ourselves, so everyone is different, right? I, I would venture, I bet I know already what archetype you would be. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to make you go take the quiz. It's just boundaryquiz.com. Totally free. Yeah. 13 questions. Um, when you're done, you're going you're gonna to email me and say, hey, I'm done. And I'm going to write back and tell you your archetype because I already know. <laughs> For those of you listening, watching, mm -hmm. go to boundaryquiz.com. And you'll, it's really pretty quick, 13 questions, but there's a lot of different ways that disordered boundaries can express themselves. It's not just the obvious way where you go, oh, um, you know, I can't say no, right? That, that's a more obvious one, but there's lots of other ways. 
if someone is more likely to cut someone out of their life than tell them why they were upset with them, that's another form of disordered boundaries. If someone is more likely to withdraw and sort of hide away in their house rather than deal with something messy, that's another way of um, boundaries being disordered. So you could be like a peacekeeper, a chameleon, a pushover, but you could also be an ice queen, a loner, right? So, so there's different ways. And I think that, you know, we're all seeking this middle ground of what healthy boundaries actually are, where there's give and take. And I think something that is overlooked a lot when it comes to boundaries is that if you've been a people pleaser, if someone else has good boundaries, and you were saying this at the top of the interview, that you know people will maybe accuse you of being bitchy, of being selfish or whatever. Yeah. Someone who is a people pleaser, when, when you bump up against someone who has good boundaries, before you get healthy yourself, you're like, I cannot believe how selfish that person is. What a bitch. She just does whatever the hell she wants, blah, blah, blah. Yep. What ends up happening though, and I've, I've heard it from thousands of people, is that once you start flexing your own muscles around boundaries, knowing yourself better, being able to, with ease and grace and when appropriate love, set your boundaries, assert the truth about who you are. Because here's the thing, you can always do it with kindness. You can also do it with more heat yeah. if, if that makes sense to you or if you yeah. need to. Yeah. But one of the biggest um, misunderstandings, I think, or myths is that you need to be super aggressive or like harsh or you're all like ah, putting people down. Yeah. It's not like that at all. And especially when we're talking about people that we care about, we can always start with a positive, even if you're saying no. You can say, you know, I so appreciate you thinking about me. I love how thoughtful you are. So thank you so much. And I'm not available on Sunday. So I hope you guys have a great time. We do not owe anyone a super dissertation on why yeah. we say no. I think that, you know, I just put something up on, um, on Instagram a while ago and people, so many people are identifying with it. Yeah. Just saying like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say I'm not up for it. It's okay to say it's not my thing, but I hope you guys have so much fun. It's okay to say, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I'm tired. I want to stay home or whatever. And I think that the, the fact that we feel like we need to, you know, it's like convince them, you know, convince the other people that it's okay to say no, that is a, that's not accurate. You don't need to. And what I find is that when we, find ourselves trying to convince, we end up um, like attracting people who you're literally giving them a sign. Yeah. They should be offended and then they'll be offended. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where yeah. when you go in with confidence and say, oh my God, that sounds amazing, but actually I already have plans. I hope you guys have so much fun yeah. or I don't have the bandwidth yeah. to help you right now with that project. If my load lightens up, I'll let you know. In the meantime, I wish you the best course. Yeah. Right. We don't have to take on things, even if it's someone who we do like or care about, if we actually don't have the bandwidth, because what we do is we self-abandon, we overcommit, we overfunction, we overgive, we overdo, and then we're pissed. Yeah. Right. Then we become resentful and then we're blaming. And the self-abandonment to me is such a big part of it. Um, and I know this just because I'm, I'm, I'm actually living this with my 
uh, with my oldest son where he, you know, was in his first like relationship and um, gave everything of himself and it wasn't reciprocal to, you know, to, to what they both needed, et cetera. And he completely let himself go to the point where I had to, um, it always brings me back to that. I don't know if you ever watched the movie airplane where they're shaking the woman on the, and like smacking her to wake her up. And I'm like, dude, get it together. You know, like you have, you were a kid who used to work out, go outside, exercise, talk to other people. Like, this is not healthy. This is not okay. And the self-abandonment for me is, it's a big one because I, I've real, I've come to realize in my life that once you are there and once you've let yourself completely go, um, it is so much harder uh, to kind of come back and repair um, all of that lost time mm -hmm. um, and self-nurturing that you should have been giving yourself. So that, those are, that's one of the things that I'm very super unapologetic about and you know middle of the week I'm like I'm getting a manicure bye like I need it you know like it's yeah. my and and I have no <laughs> no reservation I don't feel bad about it I don't feel guilty I don't like everybody's working I'm getting a manicure bye you know it's like it, right yeah <laughs> it's it's what I need right, right now but, yeah right and part of this whole thing about what you're describing is like yeah. filling up your own bucket right yeah knowing what you need because when we have really disordered boundaries and when we're highly codependent and all these yeah. things that go along with that, yeah. we are looking for others yeah. to fill up our bucket. Yeah. And the bottom line is they can't and they're not going to. And you can't give in any kind of a healthy way from an empty bucket. Yeah. And that again leads to all of this resentment where we just feel like we feel used. And the part that we're, that is missing is that we've like put our, we've put ourselves on a platter and like offered ourselves up to be used by offering, by over-functioning, by doing more than our share. And then being like, I can't believe how selfish or nervy or bad they are. It's not anyone else's job yeah. to secure your boundaries. Yeah. It's your job and it's their job to take care of their boundaries and in long-term relationships or any relationships, yeah. we're negotiating hopefully for our needs. Yeah. But so much of the time we weren't taught to do that. So we just are like, I can't believe the way this person is. They're so selfish. I'm like, okay, well, have you said anything? Have you <laughs> yeah. had a conversation about it? Have you said, I don't want to do this anymore? Have you talked to your I had a client who was like doing her the laundry for her grown son? He was like 45. Yeah. And she's like, I don't see why he goes all, <laughs> comes all the way home to drop his laundry off. It would be easier. This is what she's saying to me. It would be easier for him to do it himself. I'm like, none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about. Yeah. What we're talking about is why do you feel compelled? It's like a compulsion yeah. to do his laundry do when it. he's perfectly capable of doing it and you're pissed. Yeah. about doing it. This is on you. It's not, a, you don't need to make a case for him of how it's easier for him to do it at home. How about it's no longer appropriate, or you can just say, Hey, I used to be willing to do that. And I am no longer, I know you're fully capable of doing your laundry. I love you. And I'm done. Yeah. And she did eventually do that. And he was like, I can't believe that. And then he got over it, obviously, course, unless he obviously. didn't wear any clean clothes. I mean, 
25. Like, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Exactly. It's not that hard. Drop it off. Exactly. Do you live in, right? Yeah. No, I could literally talk to you for days and for hours and uh, time and time over. And I definitely think that we're going to be doing something of some sort again. Um, I definitely would love to continue to explore, um, you know, topics of conversations. Um, and I am going to extend this, obviously, to an in-book feature. I just have to figure out uh, how we're going to place it within one of our upcoming issues, just because what you have offered to our to us today is such a wealth of knowledge and nuggets that are genuinely just good for our souls and our well-being and ultimately our happiness, which is what we're all seeking, right? Like this is, oh, we all just want to be happy. And um, the, the question is like, are we asking for that? And are we asking for that, uh, you know, for are, are we just simply stepping up and asking for it? And 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 we should be able to. How can people uh, learn more about your book? Um, you consult with you, work with you. Just because I have been on your Instagram account, which I love. You're funny. Uh, you're you're super super um, authentic and relatable, which I think scenarios that you pose, um, you know, and that you bring up in, in your Instagram is a way of engaging and entertaining us. But I think that people can really understand and think about, huh? It is as simple as <laughs> she's she's stating this, right? How can we learn so, more? How can we connect with you, Terry? All right. Well, Instagram is at Terry Cole T E R R I C O L E. Um, I have lots of courses, so you can go to my, my um, website, it's terrycole.com. Take the quiz at boundaryquiz.com. I'd be so curious to see oh, what I'm you find out it. about yourself. <laughs> I'm doing yes, it. Yes, please yeah. do it. Yeah. You can get the book at boundarybossbook.com because I still have all of these bonuses. You know, of course, everyone's like, you should take the bonuses down after three months. I was like, why? I don't want to. I want people to have the bonuses forever. So go okay. to boundarybossbook.com. And if you've already bought the book, you can go there and put in your receipt number and still get access to all of those bonuses. But this was so much fun. I, you know me, I love talking about mental wellness and boundaries <laughs> and all the things. So thank yeah. you so much for having me, Vanessa. Thank you so much for joining us. I really did appreciate having you on. And I look forward to the next time we do this together. Thank you, Terry. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you.